welcome you to Doxodeo Hatfield, a multi-ethnic family on mission, passionate about Jesus, passionate about community, and passionate about serving the city of Chwaneka. Fields, open up a Bible with me to the book of John once again, John 10 verse 7. So we are in the second half of the book of John already. We've gone from come and see in the second term now to more life. And that's because it's one of the biggest themes in this book is abundant God quality Zoe life. It's everywhere in this book. You can't miss it. And today we come to one of those cliche verses. It's everyone and their mother's life verse. It's great, it's nice and pithy and short and punchy. It's, it's great for a mug or an Instagram post if you're lazy. It's great for a tattoo under your one that says, I love my mom. So John 10.10. Some of you guys who grew up in the church, you even know this by heart. John 10 verse 10. A thief, yes, he comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come, Jesus says, so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Some translations say, in life to the full. Yes. And everyone says, that's what I want. Man, I want a successful life. I want a joyous life. I want a full life. I want an abundant life. Many years ago, uh, what were they called? Good Charlotte. They said, lifestyles of the rich and the famous. Yes, man, that's what I want. I want life. Now, we, many of us, like I said, grew up in the church. You can quote this. You know this John 10, 10 kind of lifestyle by heart. But do you know what the context of this is? It's so counterintuitive. Because let me just read just the next verse of this very famous one-liner to you. And it's not what you think. I've come to give you life in abundance. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What? It's like, what does abundant, successful life have to do with sheep and shepherds, everything, everything. Do you want abundant life? What our city is crying out for? Let me show you where we find it. John 10 verse 7. Let's read together. So Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep don't listen to them. For I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Life verse awaiting. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. For I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he's not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep. He leaves them out and he runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf snatches and scatters them. And this happens because he is a hired hand, doesn't care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own, they know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. 
For I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen, but I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. And then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I've received this command from my father. And again, the Jews were divided because of these words. They, many of them said, he has a demon. He's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Verse 27. He said, my sheep, they hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And I give them eternal life, zoe life. And they will never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. For I and the Father are one. Just to them. Man, can I just say, this idea, this thought of the shepherd, the great shepherd, it goes so deep. It goes to the very nerve of who we are as people. This idea that someone, something would so come and satisfy me, protect me, lead me, guide me to places of peace and satisfaction and hope that every single person sitting here today and every single person out in our city this morning, every single one of us, because this call to deep satisfaction, joy and purpose, it goes so deep that every single one of us already has a shepherd of some sort. All of us have a shepherd here this morning that I'm putting my hope and my trust into. Will you lead me, satisfy me? Will you complete me? Will you bring me to the pastures of peace and hope? And because you have a shepherd this morning, and because I already have a shepherd, because every person in the city has some kind of shepherd, it has a profound effect in how you live your life. It has a profound effect and what this passage is saying, man, unless that shepherd of yours is God, unless it's Jesus, you are going to try and find it in a person, in an institution, in a bottle bed business. You're going to find it somewhere. And unfortunately, maybe even try and find it in yourself. Those things will eventually deeply disappoint you and you will become so cynical. So Jesus touches a deep nerve and then so typical to his style. He unearths this massive desire that we have. And what does he do? He turns around and he says, I am the great shepherd. Here I am, friend. I am the thing that you so desperately long for. But I don't think we hear it that way because, because of this one psalm, Psalm 23 in the Old Testament this idea of the shepherd is so in our public consciousness, even if you're an atheist, if you're unchurched, you've never been to church, all of us, it's in openings and, and school periods, it's at funerals, at all these sentimental moments, people will quote this one chapter, Psalm 23, this flowery, inspirational language, the Lord is my shepherd. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Amen. That sounds good. And because of that, you've heard it so many times, these themes, because of that, you, you sit here this morning potentially and you say, yes, the garden, sheep, shepherd, blah, blah, blah. But I want to, here's the invitation, nay, the challenge, maybe, to you this morning, to understand this is one thing. 
But I want to invite you because this passage is saying not to understand God as the shepherd, but to incorporate that shepherdness, the shepherdhood of God into the deepest part of who you are. Because there it says you will find life in abundance. So what does that look like? Two things this morning. Very simply, who is Jesus to the sheep? And what does he give for the sheep? Just those two questions. First up, who is Jesus to the sheep? He says, I am the great shepherd, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Because we don't understand, he's speaking about the ancient Near Eastern version of shepherd as a vocation. And here's the thing, because the Bible, as it often does, calls you and I, the city out there today, it calls all of us sheep. It's not a flattering picture. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's not flattering. Why? You can get so many wild animals, wild horses, wild dogs, wild anything, but you don't get a wild sheep. Why? Because sheep are too dim-witted and stupid and helpless to be wild. You let some other animal, you let your cat go into the city at night, you free it, and what does it say? Yes, born to be wild. Let's paint the town red tonight. A sheep, you let it go, and it's like, where the heck am I? Like, who is going to feed me tonight? That's a sheep. Philip Keeley, he was a theologian who actually went and stayed for a couple of years among shepherds of the ancient Near Eastern kind of ethos. And he said, sheep were utterly helpless creatures. Everyone living in Palestine at that time would fully well know how they needed protection from everything, basically. Poisonous plants, muddy terrain, slightly unfavorable weather, parasites, some of the most common deaths was just from getting frightened by an insect and then trampling each other to death. And Jesus says, here you are, the sheep. Here is the city of Twine. It's not flattering. Why is he saying it? Without the shepherd, the sheep dies. So what is he saying to us? He's saying the kind of shepherd that I speak of is the kind of shepherd who sleeps right next to the sheep who lives with the sheep, who does everything for the sheep. This kind of shepherd is the sheep's protector, physician, provider, leader, guider, owner. He is everything to the sheep. Friend, just consider for one moment what that means today. Just consider that for one moment, because let's admit it. The Lord is my shepherd. It sounds beautiful, but we actually hate the truth behind it. We love the sound of God as my shepherd, but we hate in our very essence the truth of what it's saying. Because what it's saying is, as John 15, 5, we'll later get to this passage, Jesus says, you can do nothing without me. Nothing. It means that the shepherd has to be everything to me. Everything. Because in our hearts, we basically believe, listen, I'm a good person. I'm a competent person. Maybe I'm smarter than the average. I make good decisions. Every now and then I have a bit of a flub. But I don't need, you know what I need? I need maybe a cosmic consultant. That is what I need. On retainer, I need a God who will come and consult in times of challenge. Because most of the time I've really got it. So I can call God in, give me some tips and some guidance, and then I can just shove him away again. But what I don't need, what I don't want is a shepherd. That's not what I want. I love what Tim Keller, he's got this great illustration where he says, this thing, and this is now like dependent on age, so 
interpolate as you will, but think about your 15-year-old self for a moment. Just think, yes, exactly. Why? Because you're like, man, when you were 15-year-old, you thought, I, 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 I've got it figured out, man. This world, just wait for me. My stupid parents, if they can just get with the program, if people could just understand. And now, let's say your 25-year-old self looks at your 15-year-old self. What is that 25-year-old? You're like, dude, that guy was a mess. I'm so glad that guy never got most of what he wanted because he would have messed us up big time. That 15-year-old guy, oh, man. But then your 35-year-old self looks at your 25-year-old self. <laughs> like, man, that guy, what a basket case. And he had no idea what life was about. And on and on it goes. Your 45-year-old to 35, the 55 to the 40. And so on. What do you realize? You think I'm basically competent and I've got it figured out. And yet you realize I'm basically a basket case and a disaster. Admit it. You need not a consultant in God. You need a shepherd. You need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. I'm speaking to myself here. But that's not enough, friends. This passage is pushing you even further than the offensive admitting that I need it. Because guess what? I can admit something, but to live it, oh man, that's, that's completely different. You can hear the doctor saying, you have to change your lifestyle now for your health's sake. And you can sit there, oh my goodness, it's true. It's, it's absolutely. And then I go on with my life. So to say, yes, God, I acknowledge that you are a shepherd. I'm in need of a shepherd, but to live that, to incorporate the shepherdhood of God into the deepest depths of who I am. Wow, that's big. So what is the call? It's saying three things. If you want to follow, practice the, the presence of God as shepherd, not just acknowledge it, three things. It says we need to follow him, obey him completely, constantly, joyfully. Follow him, obey him, the shepherd, completely. Friends, just think about this. A sheep cannot tell the shepherd, oh, I need help over here, but here I'm basically fine. There are no Elon Musks in the sheep world. They are equally useless. But how often do we do that to God? How often do I do that? God, I need help. Please help in this area of my life. But my sexuality, that's fine. I've got it. My finances, I've got it. My career, friendship, the country, I've got that. That's not how it works. There's a pastor that I remember speaking to, and he had cheated on his wife. He fell out of ministry. And he said when he would have this woman over at their place when his wife was away, he would have to put all the photos of his wife, the two of them, just, just put them down. Because, of course, he couldn't look her in the eye. He had to keep these two areas of his life separate. Friends, can I ask us, as I speak to myself today, man, what are the areas of your life where you cannot look God in the eye at the moment? I'm saying, God, I need to hear God. Oh, man, Sunday mornings. It's all about Jesus. But this area of my life, I cannot. I can't do this. I can't look you in the eye at this point. Because when I'm doing that, what am I doing? I'm denying the shepherdhood of God. I'm denying it. So, yes, if God were only a king or a father or a friend or if, if he were only my rock, my refuge, my warrior, that's great. But all those things have access to just parts of your life. But if he's the shepherd, he wants all of it. He has to be everything to me. You know, the camp that I got saved at in the Western Cape, 
the end of my high school career, I remember they had this exercise somewhere during the week where they would ask you with these set of questions. They would say, go and list every area of your life. So as, you know, 18, 19 year old, that's one thing. But maybe for you, think about that. The, the areas of your life, the political self, the social self, the sexual self, the professional self, the financial self, the familial self, the recreational self, list all of those aspects of your life as they are for you. And they ask these two questions. They said, number one, am I willing to obey God in everything in this area of life? And secondly, am I willing to thank him for whatever he brings to this area of my life? Man, that was confrontational. God, consultant, I can do. Rock, refuge, that's cool. But shepherd, follow him completely. If I can't say yes to those questions, I'm denying the shepherdhood of a God who comes to bring me abundant life. I remember once my wife, she was a, a residence head on the University of the Free State, and we lived on campus, and this one day my car was in for service, and so we had asked one of these girls if I could just borrow her car for the day, and she says just before, yeah, isn't that funny? She wasn't in the car. Um, and so just before I get in, she's like, listen, can you just quickly help me? I've lost the keys to my, to my room in my car. So before you leave, can we just find it quickly? Man, as I open up that car, friends, hell has no fury. Like 70 baskets of rubbish emptied in a student girl's car. It was crazy. I was like, I think I was petrified for like five, I was like, what is this even? She wanted help to find her keys, but she needed help. <laughs> but she was not asking for help. She was asking for help. Friends, how often is that? Sunday, oh God, help, my keys. But he's like, what you need is help. What you need is a shepherd. You need to follow him completely. But constantly, follow him. Obey him as the shepherd constantly. You know what a sheep needs? Moment to moment dependency. A sheep doesn't go through seasons of life where he's, he's killing it. At life, just rocking it, and then he struggles a bit. No, it's moment-to-moment -moment dependence. Because I know as a sheep, I have no strengths. I have no smarts. I'm in need of the shepherd. This is a discipline, friends, that if you were to actually engage it in your life, it would change everything about how you function. If I say what I need is not season-to-season, Sunday-to-Sunday, but moment-to-moment -moment dependence on my shepherd. Dependence on my shepherd. Guys, many years ago, Shay and I, my wife, we had made such a royal mess of our finances. Poor decision-making, immature decision-making. And in our church, we had this young adult couple. He's a financial planner and a CA, and they just, that's what church is. They recognized what was happening in our lives, and they came alongside us and said, we are going to take co-responsibility for this mess with you. But to do that, you're going to have to listen to me moment to moment. Your budget is now our budget. Your expenses, it's our expenses. You can keep on figuring out your own life. You've seen where it leads, or you can now say be dependent. And here's the thing that I learned. When I was most dependent in that season financially, I find myself for the first time most independent. It was beautiful. For the first time in your life, when you actually moment to moment depend on God, you will find yourself independent for the first time. Life to the full. He knows what he's doing. 
minute to minute. You know what that discipline looks like? You have to practice it. It's not going to happen by accident. Brother Lawrence, this, this old monk, he had this, this book called Practicing the Presence of God. I need to practice it. He's there. He's available. He's unlimited in what he can do. God, I want to practice what you're saying. Let me give an example. The other day, I'll put my wife on the spot because she's at kids' ministry, um, and I'm always airing all my dirty laundry, so let me give her just like one half of a piece of underwear. Um, the other day, we, we have this moment, and to cut a long story short, my wife had lied to me about a stupid thing. It's no consequence. It's not a big thing, but she felt so insecure. She didn't say, but I knew. Before I asked her, I give her a moment just to come out with it, and she doesn't, and I know it. And later that evening, I'm like very like angry now, and I'm frustrated, and I'm brooding, and and so eventually, I say to her, but I, I know already. And she's just broken, and she's like, I'm sorry. I don't even know why I didn't tell you, and this and this. But in that moment where there's, there's now time for reconciliation, you know, yes, I forgive you, all of this. I'm a pastor. I have to do that. And there's a moment where in my mind, I'm like, but you know what? Actually, no. I actually, I want to hurt her a bit. I want to, you know what? I, I think she deserves some just passive-aggressive silence for a couple of hours. That's, that's what I feel. And I cannot tell you, I, I'm not, I don't know, some people hear the Lord in like so many profound ways. I just hear him here in my mind, in my soul. I hear as clear as a bell, louder than an audible voice. I just hear the Spirit just saying in my thoughts to me, but that is not the grace and truth that I show you. That's, just, that's not how I treat you. I've never treated you that way. This is not my son on a cross for you. This is not the son that I've raised you up to be. No, no passive aggressive silence. Love, grace, truth. This is what I've called you for. Step into it. Yo, guys, just moment to moment dependence. I'm a sheep, but I've got a great shepherd. He's, he's making me a son. <laughs> but there's a lot of bleating still in me. What happens when I do that? Friends, when you suddenly hit success in life and people say, man, you're great. We love you. You're amazing. What then? Moment to moment. My shepherd, I know this is just you. This is all you. It's always been you. It's not me. Will you just keep me humble? Will you keep me dependent on you? What about when failure comes? Then I can say with the psalmist of Psalm 23, in the deepest of my failures, even when I go through the darkest valley, my shepherd, I fear no danger. Why? For you are with me. Just moment, minute to minute, hour by hour, just dependent. Friends, let's obey him. Let's follow him. And every minute, completely, constantly. But here's the, here's the big one. Some of you are like, I've got that. I can do that. I've been doing this religious thing for many years. Follow him. But here's the thing. Can you follow him joyfully? Here's where I fall off the bus very quickly. Because I can grit my teeth and do religion. But can I do this? Because if I'm obeying God simply from willpower, what are you, you're seeing God exclusively maybe as a king or a judge. And yes, that is what he is. But it's only when I can see him as a shepherd that I can follow him with joy. Because listen to what he says. Underline this, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. Case in point, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You know what? The hired hand, verse 12, since he's not the shepherd, he doesn't own the sheep. He leaves them. He runs away when he sees a wolf coming. He doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know 
my own and they know me. You see, there were basically two kinds of shepherds in the ancient East. Those who do it for money, you just hired, and those who own the sheep. It's their livelihood. It's their retirement annuity. It's everything they have in the F&B app. It's all in the sheep. So what is it saying? The wealth, the joy, the glory of that shepherd is my sheep. So what happens then? The joy and the glory and the honor of the sheep becomes that shepherd's joy and honor and glory. He has woven himself as a shepherd into the well-being and the joy and the purpose of the sheep. What is Jesus saying? He says, you, my sheep, you are my joy and my glory. You are my wealth. Now, we need to be careful. The Bible says God doesn't need us. He doesn't need anything. He's perfectly self-sufficient, triune, loving relationship all by himself. But here's the crazy statement Christianity makes. That this God has freely chosen the unmoved mover, the one who is before all. He has chosen in covenant to come and intertwine himself with us. He's chosen freely to do that. We cannot... The planets, the people, the ants, the, the, the stars, the, the black holes, we can all band together and we will not move God an inch. But he says, I have freely chosen to come and interweave my purpose with your purpose, my joy with your joy, my glory with your glory. So guess what? Your joy is my joy. Your flourishing, it is my flourishing. You need to hear the shepherd say to you, you are my joy, you are my honor. So guess what? All the commands that I give, the guidance that I give, the wisdom that I give, those are simply extensions of the joy that I'm committed to in your life, of the flourishing that I'm even more committed to in your life than you are. You think you know what abundant life is. You have no idea. You're like C.S. Lewis says, we are making mud pies in the slums and we contain, but he's got an overseas holiday for us and we don't even know it. He says, your life has a dimension of joy and purpose and pleasure of city changing for the glory of God Monday to Saturday that you could never imagine, but you have to come to the place where you say, God, if it's what you want, I'm in. And because of who you are, God, whatever you command, I know it's but an extension of true joy that you want for me. It's going to be very counterintuitive at times. But he wants more for you than what you want for yourself. Remember once, a friend of ours in the Western Cape, he's in a church and their worship leader of many years. And his wife serving in the church faithfully. And then one day they find out that they can never have kids. Keep on our story short, man, they completely step away from the faith. And at a pivotal moment of their journey, they post this, this venomous thing on Facebook, just stating that it's just like, we are done with this Christian thing. How can a God who allows babies to end up in dustbins, and here we are serving Sunday after Sunday faithfully in this church, and look at what he does to us. We're done. Friends, man, my heart breaks pastorally for that. But here's the truth. Here's the genius of Christianity. If I, if I have been serving for I will be so tired, so disappointed. But the genius of Christianity is to hear, my shepherd loves me. He joys in me. 
And therefore, what he calls me to is but an extension of the joy that he wants for me. Friends, follow him. Yes, completely. Yes, constantly. But when you start seeing him as the one who gives of himself, who weaves himself into your joy and purpose, you will start following him joyfully. So second point, last point here. What then does Jesus give for the sheep? And you've already seen it. It's no surprise from this text. Verse 14, highlight this. It says, I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me. No one. But I do it on my own. I have the right to lay it down. And I have the right to take it up. So what is he saying? He says, no one makes me do anything with my life, Jesus says. But I have willingly decided that I will give it for my sheep. And what does that do, friends? What does that do? First up, it means that the shepherd is saying to you, I know you <laughs> all the way to the bottom. I know you better than you know yourself, better than you will ever be able to, to tell or be honest to anyone else. I know you all the way to the bottom of the very crevice of your soul. And yet I lay down my life for you. Man, that's profound. The deepest desire we have is not just to be fully known, but to be fully known and fully loved. Friends, I cannot do that perfectly for my wife. You cannot do that perfectly for your children. None of us, no bed, no business, no bottle, will know you fully and yet love you fully. But Jesus says, that's exactly what I do. I remember many years ago, I was still part of Doxedo Bloom and Donnie, our leader there, one of our young youth leaders, he had made a massive, massive mistake and he was trying to hide it. And unfortunately, very similar to my wife and I's story, Donnie, our leader, had already known about this. But this guy didn't know the fact that Donnie knew this. So it was an intervention moment for this young leader. And he calls him into his office. One or two of us were there. And I'll never forget this guy, not knowing that Donnie knows. He's all like cheery and like, hey, like a, like a. But the moment that Donnie just somberly said to him, I know already. Oh, man. You cannot believe the countenance of that, that young guy just making this complete 180. It goes to this absolute place in his heart of just fear, of condemnation, of what is going to happen. He knows me all the way to the bottom and it frightens the heck out of me. But it's when Donnie in that moment, like a good leader, said, I know you and therefore I'm lovingly going to lead you out of this. I have already said that I'm committed to you. Friends, that is a beautiful moment, but it, it pales in comparison to the God of the universe saying to you today, I know you all the way to the bottom. No one makes me do anything with my life. I willingly have said, knowing who you are, I lay down my life for you. I love you. I love you. And it says that he lays down his life for the sheep. The Greek there is in their place. He lays down his life in substitute for you. The good shepherd substitutes himself for us. He says, I will, on a cross, I will die in the dark as the shepherd so that you can live in the light. I will take 
your cross so that you can take my crown. Yes, these sheep, they are at times rebellious. They are foolish. They're dim-witted. But that's why they can be my glory. Because I choose to love you knowing exactly who you are. I substitute myself for you. I will take your punishment, your, your shame, your hopelessness, your doubt, so that you can have my glory, my joy, my purpose, my sonship, that you would have every victory upon my chest put onto yours. This is the shepherd that we serve, friends. And therefore, this profound question of the Christian faith, it brings us to this place where we say, shepherd, why are you on that cross? Why has your father abandoned you? And the answer comes back eternally for my sheep. This is why I hang here, broken, tortured, dying, less than human. It's for them. Friends, this is the invitation today. Just as I end. This is the invitation. I wanted the worship team to join me, but I think we're going to keep it just as is for a moment here. I'm going to have a moment of response just here. But here's my invitation to you. The response for us today is to hear, will your career... Will your health, will your spouse, will your kids, will any of them be able to be the shepherd that Jesus promises to be? Because here is the ugly truth of life. If your kids are your shepherd, they will not give their life for you. They will take your life from you. If your career is your shepherd, your great shepherd, it will not give you life. It will not lay down its life for you. It will ask your life of you. And every time you say, man, this next, this next thing, then the joy comes, then the satisfaction comes, then the hope comes, it will just ask more and more and more. It will not give life, it will take it. Because great things are not meant to be God things. But when the great shepherd is your shepherd, man, your career, your health, your kids, your sexuality, they come alive in God. Because if I truly know that God is my shepherd, there is no limit to what he can do in and through me. No limit. We say our vision is to raise city changes that go into the city with faith and love and hope. There is absolutely no limit to what Jesus can do in you and through you if he is your shepherd. So here's my invitation to you. It's two sides of the same coin. Follow him, come and rest in him. Follow him, Rest in him. Why? Once I was sitting with a friend drinking coffee and a pastor that I'd known for years, I deeply respect, out of South African pastors that I know, there's no one that I respect more than this guy. Absolute legend of the faith in our midst. And I had just have had one interaction with him many years before. And this guy comes past and he knows the person sitting with me and he comes and he greets this person and I'm just kind of there like, wow, this is incredible. And I'm about to just introduce like, hey, you know, we met many. And he literally greets me by name. And I'm stunned. And I'm still wanting to, you know, we that once. And he's like, yes, of course, this place, this time. Friends, we yearn for someone that we deeply respect to name us, acknowledge us. And here it says, verse 3, I call you by name. I call you 
by name. And so what? Come and rest in me, friend. You still think, what if he finds out who I am? Friend, he knows you all the way to the bottom. There's nothing that is going to surprise him about you. You are going to do something next week where you say, I never thought I was capable of that. How will I come to God now? But he's going to say, I knew it was in there. I knew it from the beginning. Some way it was going to come up. But that's why I chose to give my life for you. I know you all the way to the bottom. You are safe with me. Men today, strength, pillar, you know, vigilant. Never cry. Make it work. Hear me today. Your father says to you, you are safe with me. You are safe with me. But also, follow him. It says here, I gave them eternal life. Verse 28. And no one will snatch them out of my hands. Friends, even if the sheep runs away, the shepherd says, yes, I save you. I, I rescue you from all manner of wolves out there, but sometimes I rescue the sheep from themselves. You need to hear today that this God does not have slippery fingers. This God is not a God who, who allows the wolves or the sheep's own stupidity at times to be the end of them. If you ask me, what is abundant life, life to the full, here it is in one sentence. It's a life lived in obedience to Jesus, lived on the foundation of the love of Jesus. When I realize he's the shepherd, when I live in obedience to him and I live from the foundation of his love for me, there's nothing, there's nothing that God cannot do through you. Trust him. And obey him and you will find life to the full. Amen. Jesus, I pray today that some of us here would with humility admit today that we are sheep. God, what else can come to your sheep fold today but sheep? loved, known to the very bottom, paid for with such a great price. I pray that we would be raised up as sons and daughters, God, that we would know that your glory has been woven into our success and our purpose, our calling. And today, God, that some of us would, would trust you completely, follow you just, just courageously, May your spirit, God, just come and reveal, just come and renew, just come and restore today. Come and show us who we are, what we called for, and who you are on our behalf. In Jesus' name.